Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Unity Wealth Management, and thanks for joining us again this week uh, with uh, Next Week Today, where we cover uh, everything we saw in the market last week and what we uh, we see coming up as well. Uh, just to keep you informed uh, with everything that's going on, things you might want to be looking at in your portfolios or uh, other investment information that would help you through these uh, incredible, incredibly volatile times. If you've been watching the markets at all, uh, you would have seen a lot of ups and downs through January and continued into February. Uh, with that, as always, keep in mind that uh, everything that we cover off in these videos are for information purposes only. Uh, do reach out to us at michaelmoney.com with any of your questions uh, direct, that we can answer directly towards your situation in your portfolio or do your own due diligence. But, uh, you know, these are educational. Uh, you can also find our podcasts and our previous videos uh, at michaelmoney.com and hopefully help you answer some of your questions. Uh, with that, again, I mentioned last week, we're kind of in temporary space here. So hopefully the audio and video quality is is coming through strong enough. We should, uh, it's, it's a renovation in our office space. So uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll be back to our normal space. Uh, but we'll see with any renovation. I never, uh, I never count on those dates. Uh, as always, we kind of touch on COVID the last couple of weeks. You know, we've been talking more and more high level. Uh, really, uh, you know, I think it was in November I said uh, I'm hoping to cut this particular piece out of the presentation. Uh, and uh, I'm starting to get hopeful we can get to that again. Uh, really, all I'm going to touch on today is uh, if you haven't heard, um, obviously, uh, Ontario and Quebec have both announced that they're going to be lifting over the next couple of months. The vaccine passports kind of in stages, certain areas right away or, or certain requirements right away. And then kind of restaurants and bars, a uh, lot, you know, about a month later uh, to get rid of the vaccine passports. Uh, obviously, that means going back to full capacity uh, and hopefully get into normal or whatever the normal is now. Uh, we also heard the federal government come out today, talk about um, lifting the PCR testing for flying. So. Uh, right now, of course, if you fly out of Canada, uh, you may have to do a test depending on where you're flying to. Uh, that all depends on to the, the destination country that you're going to. Um, but returning to Canada, um, Canada had the rule that you had to have a PCR test, right? A, a, the more costly test and, and harder test to get um, to return back to the country. Uh, they're lifting that requirement. Uh, but you still have to do at least the antigen test. So the PCR test still works. Uh, but if you do the antigen test, which is the one that the U.S. requires, uh, that is good as well for Canada. Start on March 1st. So if you're doing any traveling in March uh, or returning after March 1st, uh, you don't have to do the PCR test. So uh, there we go. We're supposed to also hear today in the next hour in B.C., uh, rumors are out that the BC government is going to start lifting some of the restrictions. Uh, so hopefully following suit with, um, you know, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario and Quebec have all started to lift, um, lift restrictions, but also lift the passport mandates that are, that are out there. So hopefully moving forward uh, with things, as I mentioned in previous videos, uh, other countries have already gone this route, the UK, Denmark, Norway, uh, not everywhere. So, you know, if we are thinking of traveling, 
the advice is still there. Really do your research on what the requirements are, both uh, for the country that you're going to, and if you're going to multiple countries or stopovers along the way, make sure you know those, uh, but also keep, uh, keep on top of things on the return. Hopefully we're headed the right direction here and uh, we don't take a back step again uh, like we did uh, in late November, December last year. So with that, let's take a look at what's going on in the economy. Uh, what we're watching for this week is the producer's price index for January coming out. Canadian housing starts for January. Uh, also looking at quarterly results from uh, Marriott and Airbnb. So we'll really start to see some of those numbers of who's traveling and in what kind of numbers. Uh, stock, uh, stock futures uh, rose today uh, after pretty much a week. Uh, of down days. Um, we did see energy pull off a little bit this morning. We're going to talk about that. Mostly have to do with the Ukraine situation uh, and the bond sold off a little bit. Uh, you know, again, a little bit with the uh, Ukraine. We'll talk more about Russia's um, pulling back some troops, uh, a little bit more optimistic in their, their language as far as what's going on over there. Basically, Putin uh, came out earlier today uh, Indicating that there there may be a diplomatic solution uh, as opposed to war, then he was not in favor of going to war. So hopefully uh, that happens. And what we uh, what we saw the effect of that is uh, oil prices eased off a little bit, and that's just on you know there's a lot of supply in Russia that uh, can continue to flow to Europe. Also uh, natural gas flowing into Europe, which is a big thing. Uh, but they're also a big uh, wheat and metal uh, exporter as well. So all those things saw a little bit of pullback, um, you know, still still having a great year or, or great last six months as far as pricing goes, uh, but just ease off some pressure on that front uh, as we see hopefully a peaceful resolution coming over there. And with that, of course, we saw hedge funds start taking a little bit of profit from their oil positions after a significant rally in those prices over the last couple of weeks, um, nothing to be concerned about. There still is a little bit of supply crunch. Uh, obviously that supply crunch has eased slightly with Russia coming back online or the potential of Russia coming back online. Um, but that doesn't really fix the, the demand problem, especially as we see more and more people traveling. Because remember, that's where we're really using a lot of fuel. Uh, it's not so much cars, it's more uh, transportation and, uh, and, and planes. Uh, we're also seeing smart charging, you know, kind of coming to the forefront uh, to try to save the power grid from the world's EVs. If you watched the Super Bowl on the weekend, I did not, but if you did, uh, you would have seen a lot of EV commercials, a lot of EV and a lot of crypto commercials. So there you go. Uh, but a lot of electric vehicle commercials, uh, you know, car manufacturers are obviously very committed to switching uh, their lineup, or at least introducing a, a strong lineup of EV vehicles. Uh, but as we mentioned before, that increases the power demand on our electrical grids, our power grids, uh, and, and how do we manage that? So uh, one of the key areas we're looking at is smart charging. Uh, you know, whether certain hours, peak hours, uh, being able to, you know, time when your vehicle is going to charge off peak hours, ease, ease the demand on, on power grids. A lot of communities already do that. We don't have it here in BC yet, or certainly not in uh, the area I live in, um, where, you know, power, uh, your electrical usage costs you more uh, during peak hours and costs you less in off hours. So a lot of people might you know, set their dishwashers or washing machines to run at 2 a.m., which would be an off-peak hour to ease the use of electricity. Well, the same idea with, with EV cars. 
would be to uh, be able to schedule them uh, to reduce kind of demands on the power grids. Now that's not gonna change the demand on the power grid. Uh, actually, I could do a whole video again, uh, if anyone's interested, go to mikeonmoney.com. Let us know if you wanna see uh, kind of investment opportunities into the power grid and what the EV revolution, if that's what you wanna call it, or the EV uh, expansion uh, is going to mean for our power grids and where, where there's going to be a lot of investment uh, happening to bring those, uh, bring those grids up to the 21st century demands uh, and no more so than in the US. I mean, Canada, Canada's got a, a, a big way to go as far as that infrastructure goes, but even more in the US, and we will, uh, I can go into the ins and outs of that if that's something interested, something of interest to you guys uh, out there. Uh, do let us know. Happy to uh, happy to do that. Uh, with that, uh, we're also looking at uh, you know the job numbers. Record number of jobs switching uh, is really pushing the inflation numbers higher. Uh, you know, of course, we've seen the inflation out there, but one of the big things driving it up is people switching jobs, looking for higher salaries. Of course, higher salary means higher costs for uh, businesses, but means more discretionary money being spent out in the economy as well, driving up uh, the price of goods. Uh, you've probably seen it. it's been going on pretty much for the last year. Um, you know, as much as we're seeing, you know, we saw a lot of layoffs in certain sectors, hospitality and travel being a, a massive one. But a lot of those people, a lot of demand for uh, people in other jobs, uh, a lot of people upgrading their training uh, for those jobs and, and kind of switching gears permanently. And if you've been out uh, in public uh, to any of the uh, restaurants or hotels or anything like that, over the uh, over the last year or so, uh, you would have seen um, not the lack of willingness to provide service, but the lack of people to provide service, just simply because they haven't been able to meet demand. Um, getting staff back, uh, we've been to hotels where room service just didn't exist because they didn't have enough staff to run the kitchen, or we've even seen uh, some saying uh, they're only going to have housekeeping every second day. Um, simply because, uh, you know, they can't get enough staff uh, to, you know, to maintain a, a daily uh, housekeeping uh, rituals or services out there. So, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. We're going to continue to see that. And, and, and we're definitely going to see that impact on, uh, on the inflationary numbers as long as, uh, as we mentioned last week, as long as we see, continue to see those really low uh, unemployment numbers. Uh, the Fed is still split kind of on that opening rate bid. So, you know, when they do that hike, which, you know, is expected in the next, you know, weeks, kind of early March, um, you know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be a quarter point? Is it going to be a half point? How aggressive should they be right out of the gate? How uh, gradual should they be? Uh, should they test the water first? Uh, sh should they know? Should they plant a plant a stake, say, no, we're committed? You know, it's still that how, not just how much the rate is going to be, but how many rate increases they're going to do this year. Um, you know, it keeps going back and forth. Uh, there, there, there is this kind of expectations that inflation is going to slow naturally a little bit uh, as we uh, clear up the supply chain issues. Um, and, and, and once the rate hike comes, uh, whether it's a quarter point or half a point, uh, that it will actually slow inflation faster than expected. So still a lot of unknowns. I mentioned last week, 
If you're concerned in your portfolio, sell into the or sell, trim into the rallies. Don't 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 you know go all cash. Don't try to time the market. Just sell a little bit into the rallies. Have the cash ready to deploy in the in the uh, in the dips. Um, you know to go back either to the same positions or other positions that you find uh, you know uh, provide good value in the pullbacks. Um, but don't be shy about being more active in your portfolio this year. It's definitely going to be a year for that. Uh, as, as you know, even the Fed doesn't have a solid plan around those interest rate hikes this year. Uh, funds uh, on the right side of historic bond markets. So what we saw is a lot of the hedge funds are, are you know, sometimes called smart money or first money uh, moving into uh, treasuries. Uh, if you've been following uh, our treasury yields that we, we touch base at the end of these presentations, uh, you know, they have risen quite, quite high from about 1.4 uh, over 2% today. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, the short end of the curve has certainly, has certainly risen, has risen as interest rates have kind of flattened out over the, over the longer term. And, and that's what happens when we go into this uh, high inflation, uh, you know, interest rate rising market. Uh, we're just hoping that that curve doesn't invert uh, where we go into a deflationary period. Uh, Goldman Sachs uh, is also uh, cutting its S&P uh, 500 forecast. So currently trading, trading this over 4,000. Um, they're, they're forecasting it to finish the year under 5,000 uh, as those inflationary concerns uh, continue to rise. Uh, again, this just goes back to what we covered last week and what we're talking about today is be more active. A lot of the returns are going to come uh, in the portfolios by being patient. Uh, you know, going with the tide, you know, uh, as it goes up, trim it out a little bit. Don't be afraid to miss, you know, miss the top. You're never going to get right at the top and you're never going to buy right at the bottom. But if you're being smart and just trim it a little bit into the waves and then, pull, you know, waiting for the tide to go out and, and, and buying a little bit back again this year. It's not a daily thing. Uh, could be, you know, over several weeks, over several months. It, uh, we really don't know how how that's going to play out uh, as the Fed is still trying to figure out what their plan is this year. So with that, let's take a look at what's coming up this week. Uh, we've got the Senate Banking Committee uh, getting ready to vote on the Federal Reserve nominees. Uh, so really, the people who arguing who are arguing about what the interest rate hikes should be and when. Uh, we got the the economic calendar with the Labor Department expected. As I mentioned, the PPI numbers coming out. Uh, we're looking for a small increase uh, in demand uh, over the December numbers. Uh, the 12 uh, the 12 month uh, trend is expected to be around 9.1%, excluding food and energy. Which it's funny that they exclude food and energy, given that's probably what affects us the most when it comes to where we're we're spending money. Uh, and obviously, we're looking for about 7.9% uh, overall, right around the inflationary number we saw is about 7.5%. Uh, come out uh, from um, from those numbers later this week. And also the Empire uh, State Index, uh, which is the kind of the burnt, current business conditions, is likely to advance a bit um, after it pulled back a little bit last month. Uh, Marriott is expected to come out with uh, some better fourth quarter numbers, as I mentioned, Airbnb as well. Uh, just as people started to ease back into traveling, uh, these are early numbers, uh, as there has been a you know, we haven't seen a big explosion in travel, certainly seen more and more, definitely within countries, you know, people traveling more in Canada uh, and, and in the U.S., uh, people getting out more and traveling more. 
Um, international is just kind of starting to, to pick up again. Uh, and we're really going to see that into 2022. Um, do let us know. I'd I like to, uh, on, you know, uh, hear from you guys as to, you know, what your plans are for this year. Are you feeling comfortable about going out and traveling again? Uh, you know, are you going to hold off to see where things uh, stabilize? Uh, obviously, the big thing right now for most people that we've talked to is uh, not not so much fear of traveling, but fear of being able to get back, right? You know, having a positive test when you're outside the country uh, and being stuck somewhere or the rules change when you're outside the country and how do you get back in? Uh, other U.S. news, AMD, the chip manufacturer AMD uh, is, is closed its record chip industry anyway, uh, deal with a $50, $50 billion purchase of Xilinx. Um, the chip market is continuing to be a, uh, a growth or, or, you know, big demand uh, industry uh, as really, yes, partially caused by the COVID shutdown, which caused this gap in supply that hasn't been caught up yet, but also the expansion of where we're using chips, right? Like, if you think, you know, I was talking about cars being the primary example of that, you know, at one point, you know, if you're as old as me, at one point your car didn't have a chip at all. Uh, and now, uh, you know, we could have dozens of chips in there running everything from your, your computer system, your engine system, your fuel injection, you know, you know diagnosis, diagnostic systems. Um, and then that's where we're seeing shortage in car deliveries these days because they can't get those chips. And of course, it's going into all our phones and our computers and our appliances and pretty much anything we have these days uh, have chips in them. And uh, and that backlog is not going away anytime soon. We're seeing more and more M&A uh, and um, you know, changes in the chip industry just last year. Of course, Apple coming out with their own chips, stopping uh, stopping the usage of Intel chips in their products uh, and, 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 and others like that. Uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, is going through a little bit of a legal battle here. If you haven't followed this, this goes back a couple of years. Uh, Johnson Johnson's talk uh, powder, baby powder, um, you know, there was uh, cancer, potential cancer uh, causing uh, products inside the, uh, the the baby powder. So there was a class action lawsuit. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, much like a lot of companies, uh, especially in the drug industry uh, or, or healthcare industries, we saw it with Purdue Pharmaceuticals, uh, where they, 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 the, subs, the subsidiary company that, you know, produced and sold that product, uh, they wrap it up under a bankruptcy to limit their exposure to the lawsuit. So, you know, there is a, a, a large payment that happens, um, but, uh, you know, anything beyond that, that kind of payment uh, is covered by the bankruptcy. So that that settlement deal, the bankruptcy settlement deal is uh, under the microscope uh, in the courts to decide if that's uh, legal uh, and in the best interest of the uh, of the plaintiffs and, and Johnson Johnson. And in no surprise, we have to have news every week about the uh, tech center, tech uh, sector being sued by someone. So Texas is suing Meta, which is Facebook's parents, uh, over facial recognition pra practices. So basically Facebook uh, using your photos that you upload into Facebook to gather um, facial recognition data. Uh, not necessarily, the lawsuit is not necessarily about 
Facebook using that, that data, but simply collecting it uh, for obviously either future use by Facebook or to sell it to some of their, their, um, their customers uh, for their use. So, uh, you know, Texans uh, or Texas state is claiming that it was done without consent. So there was no disclosure of that. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out in just another lawsuit, whether it be Google, Facebook, or uh, Apple, Microsoft, uh, around privacy issues and uh, antitrust issues. Uh, Brazil oil, you know, Exxon can't seem to find it, but Brazil has it. So Exxon Mobile has, uh, has put a big, uh, big number, a big uh, budget behind uh, offshore drilling in Brazil. I try to expand their um, their uh, their production and supply out of uh, out of that country or their offshore uh, resources. It abandoned it years ago uh, after having some struggles, but now they see it's key to their future. So uh, we'll have to see how those play out. That plays out over the uh, the coming months. But of course, Exxon just coming off a record quarter as far as profitability goes. Uh, Ford is suspended or cutting some output to, to, uh, to its plants uh, in Ontario and, and a few others. Um, obviously, this is all around the chip shortage. They can't build the cars without the chip, so they're shutting down production until they can uh, shore up some of that supply uh, and get the plants going. And if you're out there trying to buy a vehicle right now, you know this. It's not just Ford. Trying to get a new vehicle coming off the assembly line these days. Uh, is, is, is a long way out. I've seen some models, or, or sorry, I've heard of some models, uh, you know, being a year, year and a half out, you know, other ones being uh, anywhere from four to eight weeks and then some other ones anywhere in between. So um, this is going to continue until, you know, the chip manufacturers uh, can catch up with the demand uh, or demand slows down. And, and as of right now, there's, there's no, uh, no signs of slowing on the chip front. On the dollar front, the U.S. dollar fell a little bit. Again, on that uh, kind of the Russian uh, president, uh, Putin, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, signaling uh, he's open to diplomatic solutions for the country. Uh, obviously, we'd seen a run-up in the U.S. dollar. It's, it's the flight to safety dollar. So whenever the world gets concerned uh, about you know, global economies, uh, money flows into the U.S. dollar. That's natural. Uh, we also have, of course, the interest rate hike uh, pending in the United States, which drives money to the US dollar. But a little bit of that international money pulled back out again, uh, just as the uh, the fear of the Ukraine crisis kind of eased off a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, the US 10-year Treasury notes uh, rallied to over 2%, uh, uh, you know, from 1.99 on Monday. Uh, and that's just, you know, again, signaling that rate hike that we're expecting here uh, might be May, you know, might be closer to the half percent right out of the gate. We're not sure. And then the European Bank is uh, still intending to reduce the monetary uh, policy combinations in the coming months. So, you know, they're also facing a bit of inflation, not as aggressive as the U.S., uh, you know, given uh, given their markets. And of course, they still have the Brexit plans going on over there. Uh, so they have to be a bit realistic as to what they can do. On the commodity front, as I mentioned, oil, natural gas prices slumped a little bit off uh, off the uh, the Russian news. Uh, and when I say a little bit, oil fell uh, to below ninety to eighty nine and change. Uh, still a really strong number. Uh, and again, we don't see that pulling back a ton from there. Uh, but there there had been that rally up in the last couple of weeks with uh, the Ukraine uh, crisis uh, happening. And same with natural gas as. The, uh, the, the, the hope that uh, natural gas will flow again from Russia into, into Europe. So with that, that's what we have for you this week. 
As always, visit us at mikeandmoney.com with any of your questions. Let me know if uh, if you want us to take a deeper dive in some of the topics I mentioned. If you have uh, any other topics that, uh, that you might be interested in and uh, any of your comments or questions at all, love to hear from you. Other than that, we will talk to you next week uh, and uh, we hope to see you there again. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.